All right. Welcome to Oh Malort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined today by Risen Lady Heathen. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I am so happy to be back. I love coming on the show to talk with you. We're in for we're in for a journey today, and you'll, at the end, I will. I'll make it clear why it's not quite as a uh, shocking as the most recent episode of Behind the Bastards. It's hard, yeah, but you know what? I'm telling you, I'm loving this learning all about Chicago history because it tells you more about America as a whole. It really so does. Uh, so I know you live somewhere warm now. Yes, I do what, now. <laughs> what is your history with snowstorms and blizzards? I grew up in New Hampshire. Okay. So I spent a lot of time in the New England, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine area in my, until I was about 36, 37. So yeah, so I spent my whole life dealing with snowstorms in the winter, but nothing like not like Buffalo, New York. New England winters. <laughs> Not like lake effect snow is that we call it here. No, but you know what? We did have one crazy snowstorm that it was the April Fool's Day snowstorm. We got three feet of snow in a day and then never in my life it happened and never happened again. But it was crazy. That Okay, so you're going to get a gist of where we're going to go. Because I grew up with lake effect snow. Oh, and, God, that's crazy. Yeah. And I know blues blizzards and might talk about them the way my swifty niece talks to my mom about scooter Braun, assuming Ooh. that she knows anything <laughs> so yeah you know how teenagers are but she's actually eight. know everything oh sorry i just assumed it was like my mouthy 18 year old spawn the world yeah she was explaining to my mom the the 1989 re-release and scooter Braun, and my mom's who's scooter Braun? <laughs> so Stop me if you need clarification about anything. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, I, I love asking questions and I love learning. We're going to talk about the blizzard of 1979. Oh, okay. And one detail that's important to know up front is in Chicago, we hold mayoral elections in the spring of odd years. Okay. And this was an election year is what you're saying. This was an election year, and primaries are held in February. Okay. And the candidates in this election were incumbent Michael Belondick and Jane Byrne. Also, some of this is going to be as Chicago as a tweet announcing Ed Burke was found guilty of corruption associated with the Field Museum and Vinny's Beverage Depot. Okay. It's going to be inside jokes just for the listeners. They'll appreciate it. You might not get them, but the listeners, I hope, will appreciate them. A little background about the election. Blondack had become the mayor in 1977 after the death of Richard Daly I. Uh, in 1977, Jane Byrne worked as the head of consumer affairs and spoke out about corruption regarding taxi cabs. Okay. She then decides to run for mayor, citing, quote, a cabal of evil men, end quote. I like I, her already. I want to say that the pre- the cabal of evil men press conference look is my Halloween costume for next year. Oh my God. Yes. No, that would be delightful. Especially like backs. If you're looking up like, like the 1979 era. Oh my gosh. 
you're gonna look delightful she's looking great send me pictures she's got this little white blouse on and my hair is already i can do the hair i'm I'm oh i believe in you oh you got this rocket girl and yes i'm very excited i've not been excited about a i don't dress for halloween but when someone was like, you should go as Jane Byrne. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's also, so her press conference, her campaign manager was MLK's Chicago press secretary. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she was the underdog. And I want to say prior to the blizzard, she was polling around 30%. Okay. She was not pulling high. I did not look for the actual number. And now on to the blizzard that changed everything, the way the GOP imagines everyone knowing about Hunter Biden's laptop would have changed 2020. Yeah. Okay. We won't get into the details of that, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I worked on that metaphor for a while and I was going to take a shot at Elon, but I felt like Hunter Biden's laptop was yeah, we all know how Risen feels about Hunter Biden and his stupid fucking laptop and him as a person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I need to say more than I have. So the year started out with heavy snowfall. Like New Year's Eve, it started to have heavy snowfall covering Chicago with nine inches or one Ron Jeremy. One Ron Jeremy? <laughs> That that is an amazing comparison. I love it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now, Jane Byrne, I watched a show on the Weather Channel called Storm Stories. And Jane Byrne talks about looking out her her apartment or condo window on New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve and it was starting to snow and she noticed that there were no snow plows or salt trucks in sight. Huh. To be fair, I mean, it was 1979. We did not have weather predictions like we have now and they were only predicting a couple of inches of snow. Yeah, no, that sounds like pretty standard local F up. Yeah, Yeah. especially for back then. And They do call people into the snow command center and the wind winds are gusting. Workers are doing 12 hour shifts, just keeping the main streets clean. It had been freezing and salt is useless in lower temps. Oh yeah. No, salt doesn't do shit when it gets cold for sure. Right. So it's already cold. It's not getting warmer. There's no break in it. Um, and there's so much snow. If you're listening to this and you don't live in an area that's experienced a lot of snowstorms or more than a one-off snowstorm, right? you run out of places to put the snow. Oh, very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. Like where I'm from in Michigan, they use mall parking lots for the snow. Uh, so it's like when Boston gets big snowstorms and they're just like, we don't know where to put the snow anymore. They have. Right. I, I lived in like rural New England, like southern New England. So it was like lots of spots. <laughs> like, you you yeah. just shove it further off the road. <laughs> yeah. Like my parents, their condo association, they got snow. Oh, I had a shovel twice. I just got back from Michigan today mm-hmm. and they were 
plowing this morning and there wasn't even an inch of snow overnight, but they're getting ready what's in store, like pushing everything back so they have a place to put it. Yes. No. And that's what they do when they like, when you, after you get a snowstorm and another one's coming, they'll have the secondary plows come up and push another layer of snow off the edge so that when the plows come through, they have a place to put the snow. Yes. That right. I understand. Yeah. And, and the snow is heavy and it's wet. So the, so streets and sand, streets and sanitation brought in earth moving equipment. Oh yeah. The big guns. They brought in the big guns. Yeah. They're, Ice on the L tracks messed with commutes. Elon did with the Twitter algorithm. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> fair. That is an apt comparison. I yes. love your comparisons. They just they break me every time. They're so perfect. That's my goal. <laughs> you succeed. Thank you. Keep it up. Keep it up. In Jane Byrne saw an opportunity at, and she started canvassing the subways. Oh, there you go. And meanwhile, Streets and Sand is just waiting for a break in the weather and it's not coming. And Chicagoans were more outraged than if an academic had committed a plagiarism. Do, do you know about the plagiarism thing? No. Claudine Gay. Uh, oh, that's right. You've been I'm... dealing with stuff. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I've been out of the loop. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I'm not going to give the whole context because it involves Chris Rufo yeah, and I'll the look at, I, Yeah. I can yeah. yeah. Um, there's a whole plagiarizing battle now, and it's like a sports team thing. It's not a sports team thing. It's like all academics do it. It's a whole little thing yeah oh, with the ai and the plagiarism no what they're doing so they found out that claudine gay the president of harvard had plagiarized okay. so she ended up having to step oh, down oh that's why she stepped down. i i saw that she had stepped down i thought it was related to something different so no that makes sense I, there's a whole again, there, i've been super out of the loop <laughs> there was a whole domino effect of things she stepped down and the guy who was leading the charge was a guy named bill ekman Okay. For her to step down, he's a billionaire hedge fund manager, donor to Harvard. And he was threatening to w withdraw funds, withdraw yeah, donors. Like they do. Then it came out that his wife plagiarized on her doctoral thesis at Columbia. Of course she did. And more than that, she cited Wikipedia pages. Mm. Like, you couldn't even steal from the greats. You had to steal from the bottom of the barrel. Like, yeah. So now you have the left and the right just being like, everyone plagiarizes in academia. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's just what we do now. Yeah. You know what? It makes me want to go back to college because now, now I know that's all I have to do. They just go to Wikipedia and they copy that shit down. Well, they would, you would get kicked out if you were an undergrad and you plagiarized. Oh, oh, okay. So I need to make sure I got a lot of money backing me and then I'll right. be good. And I, right. I tweeted out something like, I'm a new podcast and I've quoted Wikipedia once because what I was looking into was so incontroversial that it was just easy. Right. And I always make sure I cite my sources because I don't want to be accused of stealing someone else's work. Like on our show, when I'm like reading from a particular 
web page that has an article that I want to share, I'll say the name of the website and I'll say the name of the writer of the article because it's not my work. Right. I learned that in I learned that in senior year high school, but learned that in elementary school. So I just yeah, it's <laughs> I probably did learn it in elementary school. It was hammered into me. We had to do a senior research pro- uh, paper. I uh, no, and I what that. what needs to be cited, what doesn't need to be cited, how many sources yeah. before it's considered to be common knowledge, which oh, is all okay. up for grabs with the internet. But I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I okay. Know what else? All right. Amid freezing temperatures, they're behind in cleaning up the streets and they're running out of places to put the snow, as we discussed. Oh, geez. Yes. No, no bueno. So going into the blizzard, we're not at the blizzard yet. Oh, Jesus. Going worse. into the blizzard, they have hundreds of miles of main streets left to plow. Oh, gosh. Most residential streets have not been touched. Oh, yeah. Those are the worst. Those are the worst days. You just know it's going to be a bad day when you wake up and the plow hasn't gone by and there's a foot of snow. Right. Like, it's going to be a bad day. It gets, it gets worse. Mm. On January 12th, a letter appears in the Chicago Tri- Tribune. I'm quoting from an article written in 2014 titled, The Blizzard of 79 Was a Debacle. <laughs> Sounds it. The taxpayer and motorist, I am outraged at the condition of the Chicago and suburban streets, the letter writer wrote to the Tribune. Streets weren't plowed, stalled, and double-parked cars were blocking traffic everywhere. She explained, quote, come on, City Hall. Chicago has enough manpower and resources to get the problem cleared up. Yeah. Get it done. Get it done. And so Mike Flannery of the Chicago Sun-Times and WBBM-TV, he appeared on the Weather Channel's Storm Chasers. And he talks about how in Chicago, you got to clear the streets. And he says, quote, the sense is even in the middle of a, a blizzard, business will move forward. Chicagoans will hunker down. We are made of sterner stuff. We got to get in. We got to put in a full day, then get home. Yeah. Like that. we are called the city that works. Yeah. The, and really the agreement is we pay high taxes, but our trains run and our garbage gets picked up on time. Oh, wow. Must be nice. Yeah. And, but unlike Elsa, the citizenry is not going to let it go. <laughs> you got me again. I love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I was sitting like trying to work in like what what I was gonna make because I always have to have, like musical theater reference. And I'm like, duh, frozen. Duh. Yeah. No. Because I was like, Elsa, where's she going with this? And you're like, they couldn't let it go. And I was like, yeah. I love it. Over the course We're of laughing about that all day. <laughs> I'm glad to give you a chuckle all day. Oh, always. Oh, wait. Sorry, I've had a cup and a half of coffee and I don't like I was like drinking coffee to prepare and now I think I'm a little extra hyped up. <laughs> That's okay. Better than the alternative. 
this fair. <laughs> Over the course of Saturday, January 13th and Sunday the 14th, Mother Nature dumped another 20 inches oh, on, the, on the city. That's a lot. Uh-huh. I don't know how many Ron Jeremy's that is. I didn't do the math. It's a lot of Ron Jeremy's. <laughs> yes. Let's do the math. It's like another two and a, and a third or something, Ron Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the nine inches. <laughs> Someone, if, if anybody ever looks at my Google search, they're just going to be like, what's wrong with this girl? <laughs> don't forget to clear your browser history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so I went back and I read Chicago Sun Times articles from that period with anything that mentioned snow. Fair, which is a lot of reading. It's not an electronic format, so it's like I had to oh, jump yeah, around, roll through the old news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Gotcha. These articles are not going to be listed in the show notes because there's a lot of them, mm -hmm. and it's they're public record. It's the online equivalent of going through microfiche. Gross. Yeah, because that's where, like, you go to the library and you have to turn the thing from page to page. That's yeah. what I have in my brain right now. Yeah. It is, but the Sun Times, it's a little, so the Sun Times has a really good database, which I can access through the Chicago Public Libraries, and I can do a search of certain words, and it just gives me the articles of those words. So at least I, so I only have to go through like one page and find where the, and it actually highlights where the word is. Oh, that is so delightful. Good job sometimes. Yeah, it's it's Thumbs delightful. Up. It's just also like, I was really glad that I have a, a touch screen on my laptop. Yeah. Instead of having yeah, to deal with a mouse. Making it easier. Yeah. But I also don't want to be Claudine Gay or Bill Ackman's wife. So I wanted yeah. to so I'll know what I did. So here are some of the greatest hits. O'Hare, then the busiest airport in the world, halted flights. At the time, a plane took off every 35 seconds. Oh, and all of those passengers had to find hotels. Yeah. I don't feel like there's enough hotels in the area for that. I think they were coming downtown. But like definitely not near O'Hare. Right. Greyhound canceled the bus. Oh. Leaving 250 people that slept on reclining seats on the carriage. Because where you want to spend extra time is the Greyhound bus. Oh, God, yeah. That's my favorite. That's where I want to sleep and live. <sighs> An armored Brinks truck got stuck in the snow in front of a jewel, that's a grocery store chain, on, on Archer Avenue. The drivers flagged down a bus and six passengers exited to extend assistance. They were soon joined by several jewel employees. The bus continued on its route, and after 15 minutes of toil, the truck was free to move about the White City. The Rock <laughs> Island commuter train derailed at 87th and Vincennes, which I don't expect you to know where that is, but yeah, train commuter train derailed. Yeah. Train, train derailment is never equal to good thing. <laughs> oh, Look, it's no, bad. Nobody was injured, but it's just, oh. Now, 
Yeah, because it takes a long time to get that train cleared up and back on the track. I feel like that's not a quick thing, especially back in the late 70s. And then I'm going to read this one. And I got to tell you, anytime I'm reading from the Sun-Times in this area, I literally had to do like a sniping tool screenshot and put it in as a JPEG. That's awesome. The U.S. Coast Guard reported Saturday night that operations were underway to rescue four ice fishermen stranded on Lake Michigan one half mile off the Oak Street Beach. The men walked out. The men walked out on the ice early Saturday morning, but were unable to return when blowing snow obliterated all traces of the city's skyline. Oh, no, they got lost out on the ice. Yes, a Coast Guard spokesman said a rescue team would walk out to the sportsmen and lead them back to the shore. Literally, their lost visibility is less than one half mile. Yeah, no. And once you're out on ice like that, and especially like the worst part about being out on a big lake is there's no trees. Like you don't know where the edge is. It's dumb to ice fish on Lake Michigan. It's also just really dumb to go out on the ice on Lake Michigan because, first of all, sometimes it freezes in waves. Second of all, you don't know where it's going to break. It's just a dumb... Like, I read that and that was hair-raisingly dumb to me. Like, going out on Lake Champlain, like, what the fuck are you doing, stupid? And But then, another one that I read about, a fishing boat got air quotes, lost at sea a little north of North Avenue, causing a mini ocean gate. Because of visibility, the Coast Guard could not locate them. They tried sending divers, but that didn't work out because they were getting dangerously cold. So they deployed a plane from Ohio to get the coordinates and then sent a helicopter to rescue the fishermen. In the middle of the blizzard? Yes. Why? Wait till the storm oh. over. Like, oh, no. Figure it out or they won't. No, they would have died. That's fine. That's their problem. They shouldn't have been. I did, I did call it a mini ocean gate. Yeah, that's fair. Then the rescue team asked, do you want to build a snowman? They didn't really say that. <laughs> do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, all right. <laughs> amazing i love you so much they brought snow to vacant lots and parks but those were at capacity so they start dumping snow into the river and into the lake off the bridges yeah that's what boston had to do when they had all those storms back to back a few years ago they had to just push it into the ocean and be like sorry ocean for all the crap we're throwing into you right now <laughs> and I didn't study that there was a bigger blizzard in the 60s, and apparently they just sent train cars full of snow to Florida. Yeah, no, that's fair. No, that's legit. Florida needs some snow sometimes. Like, it's cool. That's legit. <laughs> that checks out. And I do again, that too. People pay high taxes so they could enjoy services, but the mayor encourages people to assist with snow elimination. While refusing the help of the National Guard. No, oh, yeah, because that's the, has always the right choice is 
telling people to deal with the problem and telling the National Guard, no, you're cool. Paying for private snow removal contractors from as far as Buffalo and from they may or may not have been associated with the Buffalo mob. Yeah, it sounds like he was paying some people off. He was like, I owe you some money. Come do a thing and I'll give you some money. It's fine. It's fine. Jimmy Carter declared a state of emergency. Because he was president then. Yeah. Good job. Somebody had you. I forget that Jimmy Carter was president. Just in- Oh, like you're reading the news. You're like, oh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I know who Jimmy Carter is. It's just, I don't see him a lot yeah. in my, new- my research news. You don't hear a lot about Jimmy Carter because not too much happened on his watch. Right. Oh, so a little word about blizzards. They are accompanied by high winds. No, the city was not evenly blanketed in the 29 inches or so of snow. Yeah. (laughs) You got those piles of snow that goes up against buildings and cars and fences. And yeah, I know how that looks. (laughs) I'm going to send you a link in the chat. And then you can just describe what. I'll try to use my descriptive word. Okay. Let me click on. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. The picture. Is it the one with the buses and stuff? Yep. Okay. (laughs) Wow. All right. It's like a city street with apartment buildings on either side for four stories, five stories, whatever, with buses all close together and like cars and stuff. And the cars and stuff are all buried in snow. Like there's one that's like completely like off to the side, like just all up around it and on it. Like you could barely see the car. And oh my God, there's dudes walking and like, Jesus. It gives, so you just, that picture creates the chaos of everything that was happening. You are correct. This picture definitely is the picture of snow chaos in the middle of a big city. That's exactly what I get. Yeah. Yeah. On January 16th, the Chicago Tribune editorial board wrote the following. Mayor Michael Bolondic, for instance, has shown a high degree of leadership in coping with winter's worst, and the city's snow fighters have been living up to his example. Mr. Blondick has been all over the city in a helicopter, observing and urging on snow removal operations. His office has produced a number of imaginative plans for easing the paralysis, such as... I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. 
They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's giving priority to snow clearance from 250 school and park district lots so that private cars can be moved there while plows clear the streets. Yeah, I beg to differ after looking at this picture. Then on the 17th, so it starts out with we're at 250 lots. On the 17th, he tells the Tribune that 100 lots were available when, in fact, they had not be cl- been cleared. When asked about it, this, the mayor said, quote, we wouldn't be advertising them if they weren't clear. I don't think that's how that works, but sure. Then it dropped down to 52 lots, only 12 of which were plowed. So really it was 12. <laughs> really it was 12. <laughs> really it was 12. <laughs> and there are some stories in the tr- that I didn't get into in the Sun-Times about people who, when their street finally got plowed, it was just for a photo op. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, no, I that checks it out. So I'm going to quote from a Chicago Magazine article titled Snowpocalypse Then by Wet Moser. I apologize. It's W-H-E-T. Huh. Okay. That's how I'm going to go. Finale. Quote, this would be an ongoing theme for Belondic, stating hopeful facts that turned out to be untrue or were immediately overtaken by events, as Dick Stone wrote in a 1994 Sun-Times series about the decline of the Daily Machine, quote, first the mayor would appear on television assuring everyone the airports would remain open. Then a reporter would appear live at O'Hare to contradict Blondack's assurances with the reality of a closed airport. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's just good reporting. That's good journalism. We need it's, more of that. Yeah. And so by the 17th, he's threatening to ticket anyone who doesn't move their car off of a side street. When he was asked about the mobility challenged, the sick and the elderly, his quote was, if there are hardship cases, they can tell that to a judge. That's what a judge is for. That seems like a big step from I'm doing what the people want to they can go complain to a judge. That's my opinion, but I feel like that's a big leap. It's a really big leap. 
And especially when people can't even open their car doors. Yeah, like how am I supposed to get in touch with a judge, motherfucker? I am buried under eight feet of snow here. The Tribune actually had a little blurb or a headline that says, Blondek says you should park here with an arrow pointing to an unplowed lot. Not, I, I love people like who are just like petty. Petty as shit. Like petty right. people are the best. That's awesome. <laughs> and and I, I saw on Storm Stories, a woman was using a dustpan to dig her car out. Yeah, no, I, the yeah, old handheld kind. Yeah, yep. yeah. We don't have just a... use it as a shovel. Yeah, the city yeah. didn't begin plowing the side streets until January twentieth. Jesus, how long did this storm go on for? It kept snowing and it kept getting cold, but the the blizzard itself was Saturday and Sunday, the the thirteenth and fourteenth. Okay, so two days, and then like many days later, it. Still messed up? Yeah. What are we doing? The Tribune did note that there were two blocks that were completely plowed, one of them being that of the mayor. Oh, of course. You got to have your own block. Well, I was able to find Mike Royko's articles during the time. And he pointed out that some subjects of previous Omalor episodes also received snow removal. Yes. So I'm going to read what he wrote. Ald Eddie Burke is one of the young wolves of the city council. He inherited the 14th ward from his father, Joe, also an alderman. He lives at 3034 West 57th Street, and his street was plowed early in the week. A lady who lives on the next block says, quote, on our street, they just ran a cement truck through to pack the snow down, but you should see the next block where Ald Burke lives. They cleaned the street and all around his house. Uh, all right, snow packing—that's what they do in Vermont. Okay, <laughs> you don't snow pack paved roads. That's not how paved roads work. It well, doesn't work the same. <laughs> it doesn't work the same, but I just want to point out that Alderman Ed Burke got his street plan. Alderman Reiko went on to write, quote, Ald Verdorliak, I can never say that, Ald Verdorliak runs the 10th ward on the far southeast side and lives at 11455 South Avenue J. He is one of the powers of the city council and is well known for his magical ways of turning a fast profit on real estate and zoning deals. A neighbor said, quote, yeah, they plowed Avenue J and 13th Street. Sure, they plow because we got Verdoliak living here. They even plowed our alley. The garbage trucks just came through. I don't know if you listened to my Ed Burke series because it was pretty big. Pretty long. I listened to the most of the first episode, and then, as I said, <laughs> you've, I know you've been. Spoiler alert for you: one of the things we did in the last episode was read constituents' reactions to him being and being found guilty. And snow plowing is a really big deal. <laughs> I just want to I believe it. I believe it. No, after hearing this, yeah, 
I can understand people would get shitty about that. Like, kind of, like, I don't care that he racketeered. My street was plowed. Yeah, he wins. <laughs> so Royko did a thing where he would publish readers' letters slash comments, and then he would respond to them. And shortly after he wrote the, the above, he re he received this. Mrs. Christine Corner of Chicago. Why must you constantly pick on our alderman? I live in the 10th Ward, and Mr. Edward Rodoliak is my alderman. I, like everyone else in this ward, am sick and tired of reading about all the things he's been accused of doing wrong, yet has never been proven. Tell me, if you were an alderman and the city came to you and said, here's five pieces of equipment for snow removal, you would have to be pretty dumb not to clean your street first. And don't tell me you wouldn't. Here's my thing. You could clean your street, but don't you need to clean the connecting streets that get you to the main street that then get you where you need to go? Yeah, that would be... That's that would just be... my thought. That's just my thought. Here's Ryko's comment. Okay, Aldridoliak, give the loyal lady a free garbage can. There you go. <laughs> free garbage can, honey. Good to go. It's also worth noting that his crimes, while he was an alderman, were never proven. He has been to federal prison twice. That seems like he went to prison for something, but I'm not yeah. one to judge. Speaking of garbage, no. it wasn't picked up for over a week. How can the how can they get through these snow-packed streets? And I just can't do it. So the not mayor, their circus, not their monkey. They're just lost. They can't do it. The mayor also claimed that public transit was uninterrupted, which wasn't true. Sounds like, yeah, because there was that derailment. This is the L train. When I'm referring to public transit for now, right now, I'm referring to the Chicago public transit, which is different than the commuter trains. Oh, they're two separate? Well, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like a regular train and then like the like underground train or whatever. Subway. There we go. Right. We do have subways, but we also have an elevated system. Okay. So... I'm going to get into it. Trains like were What? Like a trolley? No, like an uh, above ground train system. Oh, okay. It's called the elevate, the L or the elevated train. Oh, okay. It's the same cars as the subway cars, just above ground. It's above ground. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, when, when I'm from New England, so when we talk about the L or whatever, like, usually people are referring to a subway or New York subway. Yeah. New York has above ground too. We in Boston, it goes underground and above ground, depending on it. But yeah, it's generally referred to as the subway. Yeah. Now, and then there's commuter trains. So to put it in New York speak, you've got your subway and then you've got the train that you would take home every day to Greenwich. You come in from Greenwich, Connecticut. And right. Back. Yeah. So you got the what you'd get on outside of town to get into town. And then you got your in town with you now with you. And we'll get into what happened but most importantly to start off trains were bypassing stations in black neighborhoods because of course they were and there was an analysis which proved that cta's problems chicago transit authority's problems were years in the making of course 
they added ground level elevated trains. So these are trains that run along our highways. It's for those of listening, you'll know it's like the red and the blue line, and they run parallel to the highway at basically street level. Okay. And the engines were exposed to, I think, a salsa of salt, snow, and ice via the vents, which were designed to cool down the engines. Okay. So the engines are overheating because the vents are clogged. Yeah, with snow, of course. Right. Additionally, the trains would try to move through drifts when they got stuck. And they do the same thing that a car does. So if you get stuck in a snow drift in a car, you go back and forth until by sheer will, you push through it. You push through it. Or, or you just get your front tires stuck up on it, and then you're just screwed. Then you're just screwed. Exactly. <laughs> but this is really hard on the motors. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm sure they didn't like that at all. All told, the agency lost 630 engines. Oh, jeez. That's a lot. I feel like. Yeah. Any listener who wonders why Doorbell Carter hasn't been fired or has just taken the train will not be surprised to learn that what we now call the red and blue lines were the most impacted. At the time, the Dan Ryan, which is now called the red line, hosted 66,000 daily riders during rush time. Wow. That's a lot of people. And the lake, which is now called the Blue Line, had 32,000. And together they employed a total of 240 cars during Russia. That's a lot. Engine issues left them with 80. And they shifted 100 cars from other lines. They eventually not even anywhere close to enough, right? Not not like that doesn't sound like anywhere near enough. The blessing is that this was a Saturday and a Sunday, but the problems persisted and people were going to work. Right. Once the snowstorm's over, you can't be calling your work and being like, "Yeah, still not working out." Okay, bye. Yeah, there was actually a quote from one of the constituents being like, "I can't call off because it's snow a snow day because of a snow day." Three days ago. <laughs> right. I need to get to work now. <laughs> they eventually closed between the two lines 14 stations to hasten service, which again, primarily in black neighborhoods. And for the blue line, I don't expect you to know this, but listeners might right. for the blue line, they left they they only left open Harlem, Ridgeland, Oak Park, and Austin, which are in a predominantly Caucasian suburb. Because gotta make sure the white people can get to work. The blue line goes the blue line goes all the way to O'Hare. Huh. Okay. And appropriately, the last lines to resume service. Again, this is more for the listener's insight than for yours, because I'm speaking gibberish to you. Um, (laughs) appropriately, the last lines to resume service are the yellow and purple lines. And the buses are running super slow because, A, there's more passengers because the train, the stops are closed. And, B, 
because they're cars that are double and triple parked. Oh, God. Yes. No, that, yeah, and that's what I saw on that picture, like double parked car. Yeah. And it's taking them hours to get to work. Ugh. Everyone's mad. And then on Valentine's Day, the mayor delivered this speech to precinct captains. This all started in January, and it's still going on in February. That's what you're telling me right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. He said, we've withstood challenges in the past. They tried to take it away from us before, but they couldn't. In the early history of Christianity, you see a leader starting with 12 disciples. They crucify the leader and made martyrs of the others. And what was the result? Christianity was bigger and stronger than it was before. It's our turn to be in the trenches to see if we are made of the same stuff as the early Christians. They persecuted Jews, the proud Poles, the blacks, and the Latinos. He compared himself yeah. to Jesus. No, this is the common thing that our politicians do. Yeah. He's Jesus and his precinct captains. Because remember, we're going into an election, and what precinct captains do is they get the vote for you. Yeah. 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 And that, no words. To make it the story even more Chicago, we got us some patronage. Again? The city had no bid contract with former deputy mayor Kenneth Sane for $90,000 to develop an emergency snow removal plan. That was pathetic. It was turned in late and it was pathetic. It sounds like it. And 90 grand back in the late 70s was not a small chunk of change. And it was a no-bid contract to the former deputy mayor. And even he couldn't figure this shit out. No. Oh, he did make a recommendation that we plow when there's three inches of snow. Which brilliant. Give him a medal. But which, that's not what happens. <laughs> I'm going to actually find the Chicago Magazine quote. I'm in there right now. Okay. This is how to describe it. Snow removal plan that was not only delivered late, but was amateurish to the point of absurdity. Quote, three bulky sections, most of it filled with copies of existing city street maps and photocopies of advertisements for snow removal equipment available for purchase. Then here you could buy this. That's yeah. Maybe. That's my suggestion. Buy this tonight. But wait, I gave you 90 grand. Why can't you buy the thing? Here's my suggestion. You wanted my suggestion. Here it is. You're welcome. Honestly. By the time we got to the the February primary, Chicago had gotten 80 inches of snow since December 1st. Oh, my Christ. That is just so much snow. I all the snow. In the snow. like Buffalo amounts of snow. Yes. It is lake effect level snow. In the Storm Stories video, there was an interview with a young Tom Skilling. He's our weather god here in Chicago. And he was like, you didn't even want to mention snow anymore. People were fed up with snow. 
and talk about it's still freezing temperatures, so nothing is melting. Of course. Then, and they're afraid that voter turnout's going to be low for the primary. Oh, yeah. Then, on election day, the temps hit 40 degrees. Oh, nice. That's a warm front coming right through. Yeah. And people walking around in shorts and a t-shirt like, it is balmy today. And people are mad. And there's a whole reason why we actually do our elections in the spring and it gets better for voter turnout. But this particular primary got really good voter turnout. And Jane Byrne beats Mayor Blondek in the primary and goes oh, on to- Because everyone's, I'm just going to vote for the other guy. Oh, well, wait, she... it's a girl. Sorry. She's a- like, okay. she, she won the primary. Anybody him. She won the primary 51 to 49. All right. So not like a landslide. But she won the main election with 82.1% of the vote. Okay. So that's definitely. Yeah, that was, I think that's the most that any mayor in Chicago has ever gotten. But yeah, everyone that... was just like, fuck that dude. Yeah. Yeah. So she beat act and she goes on to be mayor. She'll get her own episode someday. Now. There's an aspect of Chicago, snowfall in Chicago, blizzards in Chicago, and it's a thing called dips. Dips. D-I-B-S. Like, I call dibs. Oh, yeah, yeah, dips, yeah. No, I just sure I understand. I think in Boston, they call them safe spaces. In Philadelphia, they call them savesies. But we call it dips. And... Shout out to the listener who found this information for me. And this is from WBEZ. It happens every winter in Chicago. The snow falls, the people shovel out parking spots, and then they mark them with some object meant to signal to the world, quote, hey, spots taken. Yeah. And kitchen chairs are the most popular, but you can see ironing boards. Oh, sculpture of Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to send you a link. Ah, I see. Yes. Okay. We got some lawn chairs. Is that a, yeah, it's like a, that Tupperware container, like one of uh-huh. those, like you're moving things. So you just threw a bunch of shit in a container. Uh huh. And two plastic lawn chairs and then one of those beach chairs. Yes. Just in the shoveled out spot. Yeah, it gives you a sense of. And the first time, like the first time my parents ever saw, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what we do here. Oh my gosh! In the list, because it also shows me like the list of the search, and one of them, somebody set up a dining room table. Yep, like with plates and everything. That is delightful. I love it. Somebody wrote into Royco about. I finally got it cleared out. I put the kitchen chair in, and somebody came along and stole my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. That's some BS. I would fight somebody for that. What are you doing? Come back to watch. And this is from WBEZ. Quote, even Mayor Richard J. Daley came under attack a decade earlier after the blizzard of 1967, when many side streets stayed buried under snow. So like all the mayors who followed him, Daley turned to the citizens for help. On January 31st, 1967, the Chicago Tribune reported that Daly praised, quote, 
residents with shovels who opened neighborhood streets and urged others to do the same, end quote. Those shovelers, ooh, I just lost my page. Those shovelers helped Daly out of a tough spot. And in return, they got to stake their parking spots for indefinite periods without, it would seem from the Tribune editorial, interference from city authorities. <laughs> you got to reward the people that are doing the work. The phrase dibs was coined by an Indiana man now turned blogger who used to write for the Chicago Tribune. Okay. Mayors have been asked about dibs, like mayoral candidates, yeah. and declined to answer as fervently as GOP candidates refused to admonish Trump, saying things like, quote, I didn't know this was going to be a campaign issue. That's what they all say. But that's how much dibs is like a part of our, like, how do you? It's now, just a thing. I didn't think I had to explain it to anybody. Like, it's right. what we do here. Since Blizzard of 1979, no mayor in Chicago or anywhere else wants to be unprepared for snow. Yeah. And I little, did a little bit of deep background. I happen to know somebody who works for the city. Perfect. And it really explained to me how things work. But this is, the city... It, well, the city is actually very proactive when it comes to salting and plowing the main arteries in Lakeshore Drive. If there is a chance of snow overnight, they will usually run the snow program overnight. The majority of salting and plowing is done during normal work hours. Fair. But because they know, well, it's basically how Jane Byrne became mayor. She ran the campaign and how poorly he responded to the blizzard. Yeah. So now, if they think it's going to snow, it's like a procession of plow trucks just going down the street. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> like, one dude lost the mayorship, and everybody else was like, never happening to me. Everybody gets plowed. You get a plow, and you get a plow. And it's and I, I'm Oprah plowing up in here. I'm including in the show notes, even though this, is, this has been mentioned in the Washington Post, anytime there's a blizzard, they talk about in the response and how it cost Blondack the mayor mayorship. Oh yeah, no, he's so, never gonna live that down. Do you have any thoughts? Good job. I I couldn't imagine eighty inches of snow. I'm from New England. Like I said, the most I've ever gotten in a day was three feet, and that was insane. But we don't. We've never had like Buffalo Lake effect. No, we'd always be like, oh, Buffalo, don't move there. <laughs> but it, it, at least in Buffalo, they have places to put it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's more of a rural area than what you guys have to deal with there. So it's right. like really different. I just remember when Boston, we had that really weird year where Boston or the whole New England area got snowstorm after snowstorm. Like even in New Hampshire, we were like, we're running out of places to put the snow. We we just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and it's a we can only push it so far off the road before the trees are like, look, this is our space. And it's a hazard if you're turning, you can't see around a, a mound of snow. Or like you're trying to go into the parking lot for a 
whatever, a Walmart or something, and you can't see if there's another car there. Yeah. Insane, yeah. Do do you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. So when I reached out to you, and I reached out to you in December, I plotted out all of my episodes for the first quarter, and I was like, I was like, okay, we're going to do this, and I'll release it on the 14th, which is close to the day that it happened. Yeah. Which That's makes sense. Brilliant. Yeah. No, perfect. Yeah. So it happened over the 13th and 14th, probably starting on the 12th. Right. We are starting tomorrow morning into the middle of the fourth into the middle of the 13th under a winter storm watch. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> which is also Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's crazy. Oh, that's hysterical. No, that's delightful. But we were supposed to have a snowstorm earlier in the week, and it was a nothing burger. So we might get no snow. We might get lots of snow. And that said, I, I'm heading to the grocery store to gather sundries. Yeah, yeah no, you got to collect <laughs> what you need for the storm. Because if I don't do that, then it will snow. Oh, it'll snow tons. But if you have everything you need, like, if you buy the bread and milk, <laughs> you won't have a big snowstorm. Bingo! <laughs> That's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's always how it goes. If you're prepared, it doesn't happen. If you're not prepared, you're screwed. I've also been out of town for a couple days, so I just need to go grocery shopping anyway. Yeah, but I'm going to, no, I was like, oh, I can wait till Saturday. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Must go today. Yes. <laughs> So All right. Thank, yes. No, thank you so awesome. much for joining me. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah. <laughs> so the people can find me at Boomer Rex tonight. No spaces on Facebook or on YouTube as Boomer Rex. You can check your podcasting service for Boomer Rex tonight. And if you want to check me out personally, you can find me at Risen Lady Heathen on Facebook. All right. And listeners. I appreciate you. Please subscribe quicker than Streets and Sand plowed Ed Burke's block in 1979. Leave a five-star review and tell all your friends like you are Jane Byrne in a subway station. Also, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So find me on socials at omawartpod or email omawartpod at gmail.com. And tune in next week for... A very fun episode with Mr. John Zinn. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.